You're listening to audio from Trinity West Seattle. For other resources, more information about this sermon series, or to connect with us, visit our website, www.trinityws.com. Well, let's uh, pause a moment in prayer. God, we uh, thank you for this time that we could come before you. May your word do its work in our hearts, drawing us closer to you. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our God, and our Redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, why in the world uh, would anyone willingly not eat for a period of time, whether it's one meal or three days or even one month? Who would do such a thing and why? Well, there would have to be a really compelling reason for us to fast on purpose. Well, fasting in in recent years has become very popular uh, and is being practiced by more and more people because of the health benefits of regular fasting, including blood sugar management, improving brain memory processing, promoting healthier metabolism, and supporting weight loss. Maybe some of you have tried and benefited from intermittent fasting when you practice a pattern um, uh, between periods of fasting and eating. Well, fasting in our culture is lately associated more with health benefits, physical health benefits, than for spiritual purposes of seeking after God more intensely. How about for us? How are Christians to understand fasting as a follower of Jesus? And I wonder if you ever thought about the role of fasting in the life of a Christian. Well, this morning in our text in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus talks about fasting in just three verses. And what I hope to do today is to look at these verses and notice what Jesus said. Number one, in the wrong way to fast, the right way to fast, and then kind of zoom out of the text and look more broadly uh, in Scripture as we see different forms and different purposes of fasting throughout the Bible, and then hopefully be able to apply that in our lives. Now, before we look at the verses in fasting, it's very important for us to understand the context in which Jesus talked about fasting. In the beginning of Matthew chapter 6, Jesus was, was painting a picture of what a true citizen of the kingdom looks like in their practice of living a righteous life who are representatives of this upside-down kingdom that Jesus was talking about. And in chapter 6, Jesus gave three examples of practically living a righteous life. In the first one, helping the needy. Secondly, we saw praying to God, including how we forgive others and receive God's forgiveness. And then lastly, fasting before God. Now, in all three examples, Jesus warned us not to be like the religious hypocrites who made it a point to show their good deeds and pious devotion in prayer and fasting before an audience. Now, these religious leaders wanted the recognition of people for their holy deeds and spiritual practices of praying and fasting and were more and were actually more motivated by the esteem of others 
and therefore helping themselves through their good deeds more than doing good, helping others out, out of their devotion for God and out of their love for Him to help others. Now, Jesus was saying kingdom people don't help the needy to garner the recognition of people, but rather help the needy because it is a way to worship God who sees what we do and blesses us. But Jesus also taught us how to pray and what to pray as kingdom people in the Lord's prayer before an all-hearing, all-knowing, all-seeing God who wants to bless us in this intimate place of private prayer where we get to meet with him. And the practice of, of giving to the needy, praying and fasting were never a means to earn God's favor, to somehow do enough of these religious duties to get into heaven. You see, there is no amount of giving to the poor, no amount of praying and fasting that could get you into God's good graces. You can't do enough religious works, pray and fast enough to somehow outweigh your bad deeds so that you can come out as holy. Your salvation and standing before God is made right only through faith in Jesus and by his work on the cross on our behalf. And we are recipients of God's forgiveness through Christ, God's mercy, and his grace. See, these good deeds are, however, an important outflow of our redeemed hearts and lives that desire to live for God, to to love Him with all of our hearts, mind, and soul, and strength. So in this context of demonstrating how true citizens of Jesus' kingdom practice a righteous life, Jesus briefly touches on the third example in the area of fasting. And Jesus starts with a warning on the wrong way to fast. Look at verse 16. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Notice how Jesus addresses fasting when he says, and when you fast. Now, there is an underlying assumption Jesus makes in that his disciples would, in fact, fast. This may come as a shock to some of you, but Jesus, he did not say, if you fast, but when you fast. Jesus uses the same phrase in his two previous examples, as we see in verse 2, when he said, when you give to the needy. And in verse 5, when you pray. You see, kingdom people who represent Jesus' upside-down kingdom, they give to the needy. They pray and they fast. But there's a wrong way to practice our devotion to God. And in particular, Jesus warns us not to fast like the hypocrites. Now, the religious elites of Jesus' day practiced fasting as a ritual to get attention from people. Many Pharisees who were the devoted religious leaders fasted not once, but twice a week. On the very days when the major Jewish markets were open, they were filled with farmers and merchants and shoppers, the days where they would have the largest crowd. 
Those who wanted to make a show of their fasting would put on a gloomy face, showing their physical discomforts to others. These religious leaders intentionally wore old clothes, torn and soiled. They disheveled their hair. And Jesus rightly called them hypocrites. Because in Greek, the word hypocrite was actually used by actors to portray a certain character or mood. Now, for the religious leaders, fasting became a performance in this live play for others to watch and pay attention to. And the motivation for this type of fasting was fueled by self-righteousness, and it was more about getting maximum exposure in front of a crowd to be noticed for their holy acts, rather than about connecting with God to be transformed by Him, which was the point of fasting. Now, the rich, this ritualistic and religious play acting was intended to gratify their need to be recognized. And Jesus, he, he rightly points out that they received their reward in full. God has no blessing to give to them because they got what they were seeking, the applause and the recognition of people for their holy show. Have you ever asked yourself what the motivation is for, for pursuing a devoted life to God in doing good deeds and practicing the spiritual disciplines of prayer and even fasting? Have you ever questioned if your heart was in the right place? Sometimes we feel like God owes us when we do good deeds in the name of God, kind of like a vending machine where you insert the right amount of coins and you get what you selected, we almost feel entitled to get what we want from God because we have been diligent in prayer, reading the Bible, serving our neighbors in need, and even fasting. The good works and the exercise of spiritual disciplines should automatically result in a blessed life from God, right? Right? Jesus says, not always. Jesus is warning us against having misplaced motivations for practicing the spiritual disciplines as a way to get things from God. Or making it about us by appearing as if we are holier than that than average religious person. Now, the Christian life is never about some sort of formula to figure God out and use Him to, to get what we want when we want it or to validate our worth on the basis of how much we do for God. God, He is not impressed with our outward show of piety or demonstration of holiness through fasting. God, He is always looking into our hearts to see if we are motivated by love for Him and a growing affection to be with Him. And this practice of giving to the needy, praying and fasting is a way to give God our undivided attention and show our devotion to God. So, if fasting to put on a holy play before an audience is the wrong way to fast. And what is the right way to fast? Which takes us to our second point. Look at verses 17 and 18. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others. Excuse me. Fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, 
and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Jesus tells us the right way to fast before God is to anoint our head and to wash our face. It seems simple enough. Well, oil was commonly used during Jesus' day as a matter of good grooming, uh, which was often scented and was used as a perfume. Washing the face was just day-to-day living just like it is today, and hopefully all of you wash your face. Jesus was saying, when you fast, just look normal. And don't do anything to draw attention to yourself. Wash your face in the morning, put on some gel on your hair, and don't forget deodorant. Jesus, he points out the fact that God will never fail to see the genuine and heartfelt fasting before him as a way to deepen our devotion and love for God. God will meet us and even reward us with his presence when we seek him with all of our hearts through fasting. I mean, the right way to fast, we are not trying to manipulate God in doing what we want him to do but for our hearts and our lives to align with God's purpose. True fasting is anchored on who God God is in his power, his perfect will, his loving kindness toward us. It's an expression of our desperate spiritual need for God, which can be experienced viscerally through our physical hunger, and its purpose is to conform our wills to his. The right kind of fasting has no need for the recognition of people because true fasting is, is about coming before God to entrust whatever we are going through to God for the outcome God will bring. We are at the mercy of God, whether we like it or not, but fasting is a way of inviting God's outcome in our lives. Since our God He is gracious. He is abounding in love, while at the same time holy and perfectly just. Fasting is a way of actively and physically entrusting our lives in God's hands. So fasting before our Father in the midst of our struggles, in our trials and our temptations, is a good spiritual discipline that when exercised rightly with a pure heart can conform us to the image of Jesus more and more. Actively entrusting our lives in God's hands through fasting and inviting God into our lives, into our hearts, and into our struggles can be a wonderful spiritual discipline. While there is warning about fasting here and some basic guidelines to fast privately before God, Jesus doesn't say a lot more in these verses about when you fast or how long you fast or for what's allowed in fasting. So to answer some of these questions, we have to look more broadly throughout Scripture to see the many purposes and forms of fasting. And this takes us to our last point in the application of fasting as seen throughout Scripture in the spiritual discipline of fasting. Now, maybe at this point, it may be clarifying to define what kind of fasting Jesus was referring to. Now, the kind of fasting Jesus seems to illustrate in our text was a private fast versus other forms of fasting where entire nations would fast before God, which is 
something that the nation of Israel practiced. The the Jewish audience, which the book of Matthew was written to, would have understood fasting to mean the abstinence from food for spiritual purpose. Now, the practice of fasting before God was ingrained in the Israelites' lifestyle. The entire nation of Israel was commanded by God in the Old Testament to fast one day out of the year on the Day of Atonement, where all people were to humble themselves, humble their souls before God. It was a national, uh, national day of fast, one day a year for every man, woman, and child in Israel. Now, Jesus and his disciples and, and all his Jewish audience, they all grew up fasting at least one day a year because fasting was part of Jewish life and their worship of God. We know that Jesus even fasted 40 days in the wilderness before starting his public ministry. Now, generally, fasting in the Bible meant abstaining from food and ordinarily only water was drunk. We see other forms of fasting throughout the Bible, like an absolute fast where you don't eat or drink like Ezra the priest did in the Old Testament who, as the Bible records, ate no food and drank no water because he continued to mourn over the unfaithfulness of the exiles in Ezra chapter 10 verse 6. We even see a supernatural fast when Moses meets with God on Mount Sinai where he didn't eat or drink for 40 days. Now, not drinking water for a long length of time is not medically advised, but these were supernatural fasts. Now, in the Old Testament, we see other examples of congregational fasts as well as national fasts where God's people pled for his protection from their enemies. More than on more, than one or, on more than one occasion, we see God's people fasting as an expression of their repentance for sin before God in humility. A biblical fasting always has a spiritual purpose for, uh, for abstaining from food and sometimes even water. Now, while fasting was a common practice among the Israelites that was integrated into their worship with God, they didn't always do it with the right motives or allow the period of fasting to actually move them closer to God. Now, as with any spiritual discipline, we can lose sight of why we do what we do and actually forget God in the process. We can go through the motions, not understanding the purpose of our spiritual disciplines and using them only for our benefit of feeling good about ourselves and therefore bearing no spiritual fruit in the process. This may also be a reason we don't practice the spiritual discipline of fasting regularly. But today, we like to invite you to fast as a way of experiencing our need for God and inviting God's will into our lives and asking Him to change us from the inside out, which can bring true and lasting transformation. I want to look at some of the purposes of fasting. Now, in the New Testament, we see fasting as a way to seek God's direction. And we, we see the early Christian church fasting to seek God's clear direction. And in Acts chapter 13, we see an example of a a group of church leaders fasting to seek God's clear direction. 
Now, the church at Antioch was worshiping the Lord and fasting, and the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. It was out of this prayer meeting with fasting that the revelation from God was given to the church leaders, which resulted in Paul's lifelong ministry to the Gentiles and the eventual spread of the gospel to the ends of the earth. Now, you may be wondering at this point, does fasting always have to be the abstinence of food? Now, it seems the answer is no. There is at least one instance when Daniel in the Old Testament and his friends fasted from meat, probably offered to idols, and just ate vegetables. Well, that seems pretty healthy. But Dr. Halsby, on his book on on prayer, he helps us understand what we could fast other than food and water when he writes this. Fasting is not confined to abstinence from food and drinking. Fasting really means voluntary abstinence for a time from various necessities of life, such as food, drink, sleep, rest, association with people, and so forth. Fasting in the Christian sense does not involve looking upon the necessities of life, which we have mentioned, as unclean or unholy. Fasting implies merely that our souls at certain times need to concentrate more strongly on one thing needful, than at other times. And for that reason, we renounce for the time being those things which in themselves may be both permissible and profitable. There are many people who probably should not fast from food because um, of health reasons. So what else could we fast? Well, our fasting can be from digital media, Uh, The use of our cell phones, watching TV, eating dessert. It could be fasting from, wait for it, drinking coffee. Or even intimacy with your spouse for a period of time. Why? To, To humble ourselves, which is mentioned in the Bible, in order to pursue more of God and to deepen one's relationship with Jesus. And when we fast, whatever it is that we abstain from. We avail ourselves to God so that His Holy Spirit can transform us and empower us by working in our hearts. When we fast, we use our physical hunger to signal our spiritual hunger for God and actively invite God's Spirit to work in our hearts and our lives for His purpose. Are you confused about what to do next and unable to discern what the right decision is, kind of like in Acts chapter 13? Come before God. Seek God's guidance through fasting and praying. And while fasting doesn't guarantee the answer that you want, it can help us more clearly discern God's will for us. Should I marry this person? God, should I take this job? Lord, should I really move away into a different city? Fasting can remove some unnecessary noise and allow God to direct our steps when we don't know what to do. Another purpose of fasting is that it reveals our true appetites. Now, there are many benefits of fasting before God, including exposing what really controls us, our appetites and cravings. Now, if you've ever fasted 
from food on purpose, you may have experienced that it's hard to function and perform normal day-to-day tasks, especially during extended fasts. And if you are a regular coffee drinker, fasting will cause headaches. Just a disclaimer. Fasting will purge your body physically, and you will feel uncomfortable. Now, in my teens, my youth group at church introduced fasting, and we would fast for a period of 24 hours. Now, the last couple of hours of fasting were painful as I kept thinking about, not Jesus, but what I was going to eat after I fast. I would try to pray, but I would get distracted with visions of random foods, floating Big Mac, (laughs) apple with peanut butter, and a juicy steak. Fasting from food can really unravel how much we value and depend on filling our stomachs to satisfy our physical needs and our hunger. Fasting from food can often reveal how powerful and all-consuming our physical appetites are and shows us what we really crave, and sadly, it's not more of Jesus. God, in His Word, uses sensory language to call us into a deeper relationship with Him, especially in times of trouble, like in Psalm 34, verse 8, taste And see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Jesus does the same when he says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. You see, bread and water are good gifts from God, but they are not a replacement for God himself, who is worthy of all of our praise and worship and devotion and affection and love. Do you long for more of God and his presence to fill you? Do you hunger and thirst for righteousness? See, fasting can reveal our weak and feeble spiritual appetites for Jesus and and brings us to a place, hopefully, of repentance where we confess that we don't love Jesus as we ought. But we can also begin to ignite a burning love for him by the power of the Holy Spirit in us. Another purpose of fasting is to feast on God. Fasting is an effective spiritual discipline to remind us that it is God who sustains us with his word and by his power rather than food or whatever good thing that we abstain from for a period of time. Fasting can put our craving for food in its place as not being ultimate as we abstain from it and instead feast on God's word as our daily bread which comes from heaven. Fasting is not just abstaining from something good, but rather it's an active pursuing and seeking after God through more intense times of prayer, meditating on Scripture, and and can even include serving who are in need. Through fasting, we are giving God our undivided attention and devotion and fueling our spiritual hunger for God for the sake of knowing Him and abiding in Him. Another purpose of fasting can can express repentance, our repentance over sin and our return to God. Have you strayed away from God? Committed sins that you think are unforgivable? 
But now hear God calling you back to Him. Repentance is simply the change of mind resulting in a change of action. And, and fasting can signal a commitment to our obedience to God and a new direction in our lives. God says in Joel chapter 2, verse 12, Even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Maybe you are losing your battle with a habitual sin in your life. Coming before God with fasting may help to dedicate more of yourself to God and to overcome temptation. Jesus himself fasted 40 days in the desert in preparation for Satan's direct temptations. And by God's power, Jesus overcame every one of Satan's temptations. During times of exceptional temptation in our lives, we need exceptional measures such as fasting to seek God more intensely to overcome those temptations. The last purpose of fasting I'll share is to minister to the needs of others, something that we probably don't think are connected. I mean, the most extensive passage dealing with fasting on the purpose of meeting the needs of others is found in Isaiah chapter 58. Now, the context of this passage is where God's people are complaining to him for not answering their prayer because they prayed, they fasted, but the reason why God doesn't answer them was because of their disobedience and their mistreatment of others. Look at verse 3 and 4. God says, Behold, in the day of our fast you seek your own pleasure and oppose and oppress, rather, all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice be heard on high. God makes it abundantly clear that he will not bless their praying and fasting when they completely disregard his word by mistreating others and even worse, exploiting others for their selfish gain. We can't fast and pray while exploiting others and not caring for the needy. How does God want us to fast? God clarifies what type of fast is acceptable as worship to him when he says in verse 6 of Isaiah chapter 58, Is not this the kind of fast I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? God is pleased with fasting that results in concern for others and not just ourselves. You see, this purpose of fasting to help the needy is such a radical connection God makes between loving God and loving neighbors, especially in need. You cannot say that you are devoted to God with fasting and treat your neighbors badly. Our fasting should never be a means to manipulate God to get our way, 
but a but devoting ourselves in humility before God to see what God cares for, the oppressed, the poor, the defenseless, and the downtrodden. If our fasting and praying doesn't compel us to act as God's hands and feet, to serve the needy, our, our fasting is pointless. It's empty. One possible application of this kind of fasting may be fasting from eating out of a period of time and using that money to donate to a cause. Currently, maybe that's not in your budget. I know that we are not Baptist, and nothing wrong with Baptists, but we're not going to make you fill out a card or decision card. But I want you to consider fasting something for a period of time in the coming weeks or months. Maybe you can fast during Lent, as, we, as was mentioned, Ash Wednesday, the beginning of Lent, starting in March 2nd, which leads into Good Friday and Easter. Would you pray and Commit to do something that's reasonable. Now, if you've never fasted before, please, please don't say, I'm going to do a 40-day fast. That's the first fast I'm going to do. Jesus did it. I will do it. Now, you are not more holy and get more attention from God based on the length of your fasting. Just try fasting one meal and spend the time that you would have to eat reading God's word and praying for your coworkers. Maybe it's a time to humble yourself before God and confess your pride, anger, bitterness, jealousy, or even fear. Some of you may choose to fast your daily coffee, save that money, and, and pray over where God is directing you to use that money. Maybe it's fast, fasting from social media. You can actually check your phone to see how many hours you spend daily in whatever app. And during your fast, you can reallocate those hours by maybe taking a prayer walk around your neighborhood and lifting up your neighbors, praying for political leaders in your city, reading and studying the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and seeing the life of, of Jesus and his words afresh. Maybe you include times of serving your neighbors who are in need. You see, the purpose of fasting should always be the worshiping of God as we bring our urgent prayers before Him. And God invites us in our fasting to make our requests and cries to be heard before a loving and gracious Father not even motivated by the benefits of fasting like receiving spiritual power and greater success in prayer, but more as a way of inviting God to speak into our lives because God wants to show more of His glory to us and through us to a world that is hungry for truth and thirsty for true life, which only Jesus can offer. Amen? This week, as your community groups meet, I want you to consider these questions. What do you think would be the most difficult thing to fast and why? And what does that reveal about your relationship with God? And lastly, what kind of a fast are you willing to do and for what purpose? And discuss those questions in your community group. Let's bow our hearts and pray. God, we thank you for your constant invitation to us 
to devote ourselves, to avail ourselves before you who is at work through your spirit in our hearts. Lord, we know fasting, uh, for many of us, it's not something that we've practiced. It's not something that is ingrained in our worship of you. But Lord, I pray by your spirit, you would lead us, not as something legalistic, not as a means to manipulate you, but Lord, as an expression of our urgency of laying ourselves before you and our request as a means to interceding for others who are in need, as a means to calling out for your mercy and your intervention in areas where we don't see hope. God draws closer to you, and we thank you for ways in which you have allowed us in these spiritual disciplines to approach you. So work in us. Challenge our hearts and our lives. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. You've been listening to audio from Trinity West Seattle. For more information about our services or to connect with us, visit our website, www.trinityws.com. Thanks for listening.